my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, our mission to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In today's episode, I want to talk about something near and dear to my heart, serving others. Also, if you own one of the businesses that took out PPP loans, I have an update for you on loan forgiveness. So I am obsessed with what volunteering does for society and what it does for the individual who volunteers. I've always been into it. Um, I think about how it's been so central to my life since I was in high school when I started volunteering in a uh, community service program we had in my high school in the ninth grade. And then I started a nonprofit when I was in the 11th grade. And it was, uh, it was called Volunteer Action. And I got it organized at various high schools and got the high schools doing things with various community activities. And every high school was paired with at least one elementary school where high school students were mentoring elementary school kids. And then I went off to college and I started a program called the Big Buddy Program that was pairing college students with middle schoolers to try to mentor middle school students. And I've always had this belief that most of us, most human beings, want to serve others. They just don't know how. And many times people will do so through their church, mission work, various volunteer activities in the community. And you get more than you give. There's something about what it does for your heart and soul when you volunteer. Uh, In my current life, I've had the privilege of volunteering and sponsoring homes with Habitat for Humanity since 1996. And I've had the privilege of working side by side with listeners, viewers, readers, and just members of the community all over the United States. And I've had the good fortune to be able to sponsor 88 Habitat homes over the years. And it's, it's something that even though I'm incompetent in construction, I love the experience of doing that, of being out there and, and seeing what people power can do. We have our uh, advice line, the Consumer Action Center, that I founded in 1993 to provide one-on-one free advice to you if you have a question or a problem that you don't know how to get solved or a problem or a question you don't know the answer to. And we're staffed primarily with volunteers, paid staff and volunteers. And the people who volunteer love it and look forward to it every single day that they are serving you. By the way, if you want to know, if you didn't know we did that and you want to know how to get one-on-one advice, go to clark.com slash CAC. The number, if you want it, is 470-284-7137. So volunteering in whatever way 
you can make a difference is so key. You know, as a country, we have a lot of divisions right now. Some of them are genuine. Others are just being stirred up on social media and other ways. And I believe the best solutions to problems in our communities are not from government. They're from us. They're from us working together to solve things and volunteering to make a difference. And so know that in a time that it feels like a lot of things in America aren't working like we'd like, make a difference by getting out and taking on something where you can serve others and know that there are good things going on in this great country. Krista? Okay, Clark, Angie in Pennsylvania says, I've looked through your travel guide and cannot find any information on hotel deals when you're traveling by car. My husband and I love road trips, and we usually book the next place while we're on the road. Are there any tricks to getting a good deal? Oh, yeah. On your phone, have downloaded a number of the hotel apps, and you will find that on the day when you're on the road, that the best prices and worst prices are both booked same day because you just don't know what demand is as you're going down the road. I use not any one app. I use many apps to save money and many websites, but I use Priceline more than any other. Priceline historically has saved me the most money when I am traveling. And when I'm on a road trip, Um, You would expect this from me. It was getting in the evening. I was with my son, and we didn't have a place to stay because we didn't know how far we were going to drive. And I pulled off at one of the rest areas, and I start looking for a place. And I look in the next town, which was like 20 miles away, and there were no good deals. So I looked at the next town that was 60 miles away, and I really didn't want to drive another 60 miles. But there was a great deal on a hotel. And I booked it right then and there. And that one I booked on a site called Hotel Tonight. And I drive that route a lot. And uh, I still see that hotel. Every time I go by, I'm like, that's where I had such a good time with my son. And so it is very possible you can use Hotwire, Priceline Hotwire. Uh, you can use hotels, hotel, hotels.com which is a, um, a site that will show you a lot more properties than you'll find on Priceline or Hotwire. Not necessarily as cheap, but it is a good source to find hotel rooms. And I think with those three, you'll be able to really survey the waterfront. There is something else that people do. People will... Um, call a hotel's front desk is you're driving down the road and that can work but one thing that never works don't pull off at a freeway exit and walk into a hotel and see what rate they have they will always quote you the highest imaginable rate when you walk in and walk up that desk calling on the phone may get you a much lower price 
Okay, and Roosevelt in Florida says, I recently had a flat tire only to realize my new car didn't have a spare. I waited three hours to have a flat tire change. I would not buy a car without a spare tire. Are dealers required to inform buyers when there is not one? I know it's just to increase gas mileage, but I don't like it. Roosevelt, if somebody, a car dealer, told you they don't put a spare tire in a car to increase gas mileage, well, don't buy any land from them. Because <laughs> they're going to sell you some swamp land. The reason auto manufacturers eliminated spare tires is to not pay for a fifth tire. I mean, think about how much money they're saving. every. So you multiply it out by every vehicle they make not having a spare tire. I don't, there's no requirement to disclose it because the reality, Roosevelt, almost no cars come with a spare tire anymore. Very, very rare. And uh, you have to then go buy a rim for the size tire you need and buy a, a fifth tire. But if you don't want to face the possibility of being stranded by the side of the road, going about that process and essentially buying your own spare is a good solution. The good news, tires are made so, so much better than they used to be. And the odds of having a flat, much lower than in the past. But the difference is today you're going to end up by the side of the road and you are stranded without that spare. This is from Maria in California. I'm 32 years old and trying to figure out life. I work full time. I finally paid off my student loans in January 2020, becoming debt free. Congratulations. Then, yeah. then I decided to purchase a Toyota Corolla with a 0% APR in June of 2020, putting me back into debt. I owe $15,000 and I'm wondering if I should just pay it off already in one big payment. I have 60000 in savings, 15000 invested, and fifty-five k in retirement. I'm also trying to save more, more for retirement and for a 20% down payment on a home. I'm single and have no kids. What should I be doing with my money? I didn't come from a family with money. So what I know is self-taught. What advice would you give your child if they were in my situation? Okay, first of all, let go of the guilt for having bought the Toyota Corolla. Um, I mean, that's something you're now regretting. The good news, you do have the 0%. So pay is agreed on that loan. And know that that money, once that car is paid off, is money that you're going to use to build up for the other goals you set. Um, that Toyota Corolla is a vehicle that historically lasts forever almost. So once you're done paying for it, that monthly payment, you're going to be able to sock every single month like clockwork towards either that 20% down for the home or additional money towards retirement. That will be your choice. And you are doing the right thing. Look at it. You're 32 years old. You already have $140,000 to the good. And I think that's great. And so just keep on the path you're on. Keep building money towards retirement. I hope you're doing a Roth IRA. And maybe... When you're done with the $15,000 in payments on the Corolla, which you are paying per month, split it, half goes towards 
the down payment for the home, and the other half goes towards retirement. But be fair to yourself. You are doing a great job for someone who had nobody teaching you. Sounds like you're doing a great job self-taught so far. Next, speaking of borrowing money, did your business take out a payroll protection program loan? The topic of forgiveness has frustrated virtually every business owner who took out a PPP. When you go back to spring of last year, more than half of all questions that I was getting were about businesses trying to survive. And the main vehicle available was the PPP loan, a creation of Congress to try to deal with the cash flow problems businesses were having. There was another program that was already in existence, the IDLE, and that was not as prominent through the pandemic as the PPP. The PPP was designed to get money into businesses' hands pronto so that businesses would keep their staffs on payroll rather than making the hole the economy was digging even deeper. The PPP did help any of a number of businesses survive that might have folded. And a lot of people who might have become unemployed were able to continue working even as a business had reduced numbers of customers, at least for a while during the pandemic. But the whole design of it was that if you jump through the right hoops and use the PPP money for the intended purposes, principally of keeping people at work, paying rent, and paying other overhead, then the money was supposed to be forgiven, at least the portion used for those purposes. The remainder of the money would have to be paid back at an incredibly low interest rate, typically around 1%. But now we're at the point where businesses that survived the pandemic are trying to get loan forgiveness, and it's been a hard slog. In fact, there was a prediction I saw recently in city business journals, bizjournals.com, that it's going to take six to eight years to go through the process of every business had their application submitted, reviewed, processed, and loan forgiveness determined in full or in part or denied. Now, that headline got a lot of play, six to eight years. The reality, there are a lot of businesses that have already been able to get into the forgiveness process, but there are those that are finding that they're being denied, either by their lender, who's refusing to forward the application, or by the SBA itself. Now, a key thing, if you're denied by the SBA, you've got to act quickly because the SBA determination is looked at as judge, jury, and executioner. But there is an appeal process, and you have only a month to do that appeal. In the case of a lender denying your loan forgiveness application, that is a whole different thing. That's administrative, and for whatever reason, your lender doesn't believe you submitted the proper documentation. 
Sometimes it'll be hard to get a straight answer from the lender what they're looking for, what documentation they're looking for. So you got to really push the system, particularly if you're dealing with a PPP loan, if you mistakenly took it out from one of the big banks, trying to figure out with their bureaucracy, not exactly easy. But know that the process is tilted towards forgiveness. So be patient, don't give up, and supply every piece of documentation you're asked for, even if you have to supply it three or four different times to try to get that forgiveness done. Okay, Clark, we'll get to some questions. Dylan in Illinois says, I rented a car in May and was charged a $250 cleaning fee for, quote, animal hair, (sighs) even though I don't even own a pet. The truth is that the car I received was filthy when they gave it to me. Unfortunately for me, I only took a video of the outside. It was late at night in a dark garage, so I didn't really notice all of the animal hair until the next day. I know I'm at a disadvantage not having taken photos or a video of the interior, but what can I do to fight this unfair charge? I filed a dispute with the company and asked that they remove the charge, but they aren't budging. So, Dylan, first thing you do is you dispute that $250 charge with your credit card company. Um, There was just a story in the L.A. Times about Hertz charging a car renter $400 for smoking in the vehicle which was really funny because the renter doesn't smoke. And when he asked, well, who decided I smoked? He said, well, uh, somebody who was cleaning the car decided you had smoked. And this is, this is a haphazard, chaotic process with the car rental companies. They have your credit card on file, and they feel might makes right. They just put through the charge. So the way you level this thing out, is you dispute that charge with your credit card company and then file a complaint about the car rental agency with the Better Business Bureau. The BBB at BBB.org will have levels of contact at a car rental agency you will not have. Um, I don't know your status of what pets you own. Oh, you said you don't own a pet. That is very important evidence because... You are a magical individual that you were able to deposit pet hair in a vehicle (laughs) when you don't even own a pet, and obviously you did not have one with you. And that is a very valid defense for you to have with the credit card company when you dispute with them and with the complaint that you file with the Better Business Bureau. The car rental agencies are desperate for money, and there's been a big spike apparently and the number of junk fees after the fact they're passing on to people. And who would think to video pet hair in a rental car? What I do is anytime I get in a rental car at the plaza, I look to see if there's any tears in fabric, any big stains, and I do take pictures of those in the car. And I do always either shoot a video or take pictures of the outside of the car before I leave the rental plaza because of the possibility that the car rental company may try to charge me all kinds of junk after I return. Also from Illinois, Jay wrote in and said, I'm currently looking to buy my first home. I love the neighborhood and town I live in, so when a home came up for sale on my street, I put in an offer. The listing agent got back right away and countered that they need the contract to state that we are willing to take the house with the current tenants. 
I was planning to live there right away. From what they let me, my agent know, the tenants are on a month-to-month lease. But with eviction moratoriums, I don't know what my rights would be as a new landlord. What would you recommend I do? Jay, wow. Okay, so you, you answered the most important questions for me. So if you're buying a home and it has an existing lease on it with tenants, the tenants are allowed under the law in, I, as best I know, it's every state to remain in the property even after the ownership of the property changes, that no one has the right to get them to terminate the lease. In this case, with them being month to month, normally once you took possession, you would be able to give them notice, usually 60 days from prior to the first day of a month in most jurisdictions, although it could vary from place to place. But the crazy thing is with the eviction moratoriums, you would be potentially stuck with the tenant until and unless the eviction moratoriums are lifted and you could proceed with the dispossessory or the tenant was willingly willing to voluntarily move out. So this is not the home for you if it's important that you be able to move in right away. Uh, it's possible that you could, um, with permission, talk to the existing tenants directly and find out what their intentions are. You may even find that you have to offer them some money to be willing to sign an agreement that they will leave within a certain period of time after ownership of the property changes. And from Greg in California, hi Clark, my well-liked credit union is now pushing Zelle. Yuck. What is a person to believe? You say Zelle is bad and credit unions are good. My mind is melting with the dichotomy. Is Zelle now good or have credit unions gone bad? The world is upside down. The world is upside down. Zelle is dangerous to your financial health. I don't care if Zelle is being pushed by your credit union, being pushed by a bank. And the worst thing, Greg, is we've been hearing from more and more people. And I've done two TV stories on it. People are finding that Zelle is being activated on their checking account when they open an account at certain banks without their knowledge or permission. And the way people find out is when money vanishes from their account through Zelle and they didn't even know it existed on their account. Zelle is garbage, garbage, garbage. And the banks who control it, and it's interesting that credit unions decided to get in the mud with the banks, Zelle does not offer consumer protections. That's why the banks love it. Because when there's a problem with your account, even not your own fault, you are out the money. So your credit union has lost its mind and the world is upside down. Now, if Zelle wishes to rethink this and actually put in place real consumer protections for people with Zelle, Zelle then would be an acceptable platform. But right now, it is a really stinky pile of rotten garbage. I'm so glad you're part of our community. We clean up the mess. I wish I could get to all of your questions. If you haven't heard yours asked on the air, I referred to our Consumer Action Center earlier. Call them for advice, 470 284-7137. It is free 
to have one-on-one -on -one advice from our Consumer Action Center. You can also find their number and hours at clark.com slash CAC.